The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host of the draft, the 2020 draft. NFL draft is over. It's over. It flew by. It was a glorious three days of nonstop entertainment. Uh, the virtual nature of it was was fascinating, uh, and it was a blast. So we're going to recap the whole thing. Uh, we're going to focus on a day three recap here for you guys. Uh, also, of course, we will, you know, Look at draft classes as a whole because you don't want to just know about day three. Um, tomorrow we will have team by team grades for you for the entire draft. That's right. Every single team, myself and the super friends are divvying up the divisions and we will give you a grade for your team, no matter who it is. If you're a Packers fan, maybe don't listen. I mean, just kidding. Listen anyway, but you know, just be prepared. Um, joining me now to break down the whole draft, the man who did. Uh, let's see. What's the math on this? You do, uh, let's see. You carry the one here. You do, uh, 255 minus 32. That would be 223 grades over the course of two days. Chris Trapasso, aka Traps. What's up, buddy? Well, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. You did a great job. You, you graded two, over 200 players and most of them on Saturday as rounds four through seven unfolded. Uh, do you find yourself slipping, not slipping, but like, like, all right, B plus, like, or, you know what I mean? Like you look, like, all right, C, like, I'm not really sure how I would grade this. Just take a C plus. Like, what I will say is that for as much as I try to watch like as many prospects as possible, like basically for this gigantic endeavor every year, there are guys like sixth, seventh round and Bill Belichick picked two players, a kicker from Marshall and a linebacker from Wyoming that were completely off the radar, um, our editor, RJ White, he's like had a database of 750 prospects from like every site on the internet to make sure we had them. And he's like, that linebacker from Wyoming is not there. So when you get those kind of super obscure picks, typically from Bill Belichick, that's where you kind of have to just be like, you know, I don't really know too much about this player, but almost everyone else, I at least saw a few games and, and had some idea of, um, what that specific team was ultimately picking over this last marathon of a day that took about seven and a half hours. Mm, it was fun, man. Um, all right, let's get to it, though. No need to mess around and talk about it. Oh, by the way, we should point out the uh, the 49ers traded for Trent Williams from the Washington Redskins uh, sh- very shortly thereafter. Joe Staley, who had been with the team for 13 years, former first-round pick out of Central Michigan, uh, one of the one of the guys from the two thousand the epic two thousand seven draft. I think there's uh, let's see Adrian Peterson, Greg Olson, Brandon Mebane. I'm missing somebody very obvious from the two thousand seven draft that's still playing. But um, not Eric Weddle just retired. I mean, like there's a t- like a, a great Joe Thomas, draft. Joe Thomas, yeah, but I mean, so uh, yeah, Joe Thomas, Joe Staley was the secondary guy to mm-hmm. Joe Thomas uh, out of Central Michigan, and he retired. The Redskins gave up a twenty twenty fifth rounder. The Redskins got back a 2025th rounder and a 2021 third rounder, which is not a great haul for Trent Williams, who we thought they might get a first round pick for. I mean, but you know, like they were sort of in a bad spot and Bruce Allen screwed that team over by waiting that long. It's a big get for the San Francisco 49ers of traps because I think you, you lose Joe Staley and you have a chance to like see your offense really fall off a cliff just because of how run heavy they are and how much they need an athletic tackle to, to operate in that system and to protect Jimmy G. And uh, Trent Williams is is a big, big plug, uh, plug-and-play guy for them right there. Yeah, I mean, even going into the draft saying that, you know, thinking that the 49ers were maybe going to try to draft Joe Staley's replacement, Trent Williams is one of the few guys that the uh, 49ers could have brought in that might actually be an upgrade to Joe Staley. Joe Staley's been an absolute rock for that team, like you said, for 13 years. Uh, I think when Trent Williams is healthy, he's a top three, maybe top two left tackle in the league. So that's a gigantic get. Um, for Kyle Shanahan's offense, which should just be humming along this season like it did last year. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's a it's a big it's a big win. 49ers. You know what? Debo's doing all this news in here. He's going to ruin my hustle, my hustle award when we get to superlatives. But the 49ers also traded Matt Breida to the Dolphins for a fifth round pick, uh, which is the same pick that um, the Dolphins got for Kenyon Drake. So that's kind of cool. Uh, Matt Breida, nice little fit for the Dolphins. I think they did a good job with an analytical approach. They didn't use a first round pick on a running back. They knew they had better needs. And Breida has, is a guy that's played really well. I'm almost surprised the 49ers are letting him go because he's been a guy they could trust at certain points in time to step in and run the ball well. But Kyle Shanahan just finds guys to run the ball for him. Uh, apparently Miami had discussed also Todd Gurley at one point and Leonard Fournette. I, I would breed it for the costs. Much better decision. And uh, San Francisco also traded Marquise Goodwin to the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, Philadelphia will probably get to it in a second. They have a ton of speed at wide receiver. Some notable selections from the day the third day of the draft uh i hope you listened to this podcast and to the pick six podcast draft preview show when we told you to take the over on quarterback draft slots jacob eason coming into the draft his draft slot was like i think it was 45 and a half he was selected at 122nd overall um what do you think about eason's fit with the colts in terms of yeah they i mean the rumor is i think from um uh Multiple Colts beat reporters that they don't plan on trading Jacoby Brissett, so they're, they're going to just keep three quarterbacks and just sort of let it ride out. They have Philip Rivers, who's on a one-year deal, uh, Brissett, who signed that extension on a one-year deal, and now Jacob Eason with a big arm. Yeah, I think it's the perfect landing spot for him. I mean, there was a bunch of mock drafts when I went out to two and three rounds that I would uh, mock Jacob Eason to the Colts because – of what you just said, that they have those two veteran quarterbacks there. He has the arm. Uh, landing with Frank Reich, I think, is great for any young quarterback, especially the job that he did with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. And you know that Jacob Eason is almost assuredly not going to play this season. That's what he needs. He needs a year to learn from two veterans like he has in Indianapolis. He might not even play until 2022. I think that would be fine. And like you said, Getting him where they did, it wasn't a second rounder. They didn't have to trade back into the first for him, um, like some people thought. Great value for the Colts at the game's most important position. Uh, I just sent you a Slack message, uh, traps, because Devo's out here slacking Chip Patterson instead of you. Um, it sees, it happens. What are you gonna? Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I think Easton's a perfect fit there. You can let him develop. Rivers will be a mentor for, like, he's not, yeah, he's not going to spend all his time mentoring the kid, but he's going to, he'll help him out. It's not like he's insulted that he's going to be there. Uh, 122 is a great spot to grab a quarterback with the upside that Easton has. He has all the physical tools in the world and you sit there and learn from two pack pros like Jacoby Brissett and Phillip Rivers. And, um, and you can, uh, you can certainly develop as a quarterback. The Jets took James Morgan at 125 overall. Uh, who is James Morgan? He is Florida Atlantic or uh, Florida International quarterback, I should say. Big arm. He's one of those quarterbacks, gunslinger, that he'll throw an interception and then like the next drive he'll throw it into triple coverage. Like he does not care whatsoever. I didn't like his film. I didn't think he really should even be drafted. There was a lot of speculation or hype like over the last few days that he was going to go earlier than people thought, and he was. He was picked ahead of Jake Fromm. Um, I think it's mostly because of the arm. Um, and that he does have some athleticism, uh, but the accuracy decision making, I think he's a ways away. And that was a weird pick for the Jets. Like I thought they were still, um, you know, trying to build around Sam Darnold. The guys, it's nice to get a backup. I just didn't think he was that polished of a player for them to pick that early. They had other needs they could have addressed. Mm. Yeah, it seems like a very bizarre pick. And Jake Fromm, 167 to the Bills. Uh, I pointed out on Twitter. We're making it like it, CBS did it, ESPN did it, everybody did it. It's like Jake Fromm is falling. It's out of control and crazy. And I was like, he's a, he's a third round pick. Somebody correctly threw it in my face that I had p- predicted that Jake Fromm would be the number one pick in my April in my uh, April 2020 way too early mock draft. Um, but I think coming into this year, there's an idea like if Jake Fromm took a leap forward and was a great quarterback, he could he could and he just he just didn't do it. I mean, the, Georgia was good, but they didn't lean on him. They leaned on the run game. Yeah, and like when he played in that national title game against Alabama two years ago, like the two game, awesome. and he was like a freshman then, and everyone's like, "Wow, look at like the moxie!" And that he's playing in Georgia in this huge game, and he was making throws all over the field. The anticipation, it it wasn't that. He should have won the title game. If yeah, he did every he did everything that he needed to do to win that game. Yeah. By the way, three quarterbacks in that game drafted in this draft class uh, with from it. Once I like I, I the 
this is noted plenty on on social media, but it is a weird fit to have Fromm as a backup to Josh Allen, just in terms of like, oh, you're a Bills guy, so what do you think? It's weird on the surface because I think we have this thought that like you have a starter and then your backup needs to be like similar style, which that's like what most teams do, and that makes sense. Sure. But I know being a Bills guy that Josh Allen has admitted, and it's a little different because he has more experience than Jake Fromm, but Josh Allen has said, I love having Matt Barkley as my backup because his strengths, like he needs to throw with anticipation, he needs to read coverages better. Josh Allen, that's not what Josh Allen, like those are not things that Josh Allen does very well. So he said that like in the quarterback room, it's not like five guys that throw fastballs and have trouble with accuracy. It's like Barkley says, hey, look, you need to read this coverage, make this throw when the wide receiver's here. Okay, I, all right, so, okay, so I said, sorry, I didn't interrupt you. I, no, it's all right. I interview where somebody's like, Brinson interrupts people, but it's just what I do. So right. I, I was, I was making a joke. It's like, if you could take Jacob Eason's body and Jake Fromm's brain, you would have a top five pick. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what the Bills are trying to do is use Jake Fromm as like a knowledge sponge and like an osmosis tool for, for Josh Allen. Yeah. And so I think he is like the Matt Barkley 2.0 that Barkley is on the last year of his contract and you watch his film at Georgia. He needs, because his arm is so weak, he needs to make throws like two seconds before the receiver is in his break. Josh Allen sees the guy open and then fires at 80 miles per hour in there. So I think that's kind of the thought process that they had Derek Anderson. They had these, they had Tyree Jackson last uh, summer in uh, training camp that thought was get the same stylistically, but it's really better for Josh Allen if it's the opposite. So they can kind of teach him where his weaknesses could improve. I got to say that, uh, that this theory of yours may make up for your Patriots interception money ball theory. Um, oh, it, yeah, true. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. It might, it could. No, no, it can, hey, it can still happen. They'll, they'll, they'll sign somebody. They're still sitting there. After April 27th. But I do think, no, that makes a lot of sense. I hadn't thought about that. Like, give Josh Allen a, like, if Jake Fromm is not taking the job from Josh Allen, it's, no. it's, just, not, it's just not happening because Josh Allen is a top, you know, a first round pick and has played well and taken him to the playoffs. So, like, give him a guy that he can be friends with and work with and Jake Fromm can develop. Maybe he gets stronger like a Tom Brady type and, and maybe he, I mean, maybe they help each other. So we'll see. Um, Let's see the other quarterbacks. To, uh, no quarterback for the Patriots. Uh, Jake Luton was taken by the Jags. Cole McDonald out of Hawaii to the Titans. Ben DiNucci, uh, Tommy Stevens, a shocking draft to the Saints. Is that a Penn State guy? Yeah, Penn State. I think they picked him because he's kind of like Taysom Hill. Like remember two years ago uh, that he would come in and just like do Taysom Hill type stuff. He's not the athlete Taysom Hill is, and he can't throw it like Taysom Hill. I think I gave that one a pretty low grade uh, sure. when it happened. I was uh, I was shocked, Will. I bet on this guy to win the Heisman like the past two years, even when he wasn't a starter at Penn State. Then he went to Mississippi State with Joe Moorhead, thought he was going to be great. So I'm sticking yeah. with this guy. Taysom Hill light. He's the eventual Taysom Hill replacement in New Orleans. Mm, how dare you insult Taysom Hill. My other team just drafted a guy based on him. Who? Oh, Jalen Jalen Hurts. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm having discussions with – I think Kevin Nagandi right now on Twitter about how um, how I, the Eagles fans are not happy about it. So we'll get to that. Don't worry. But we talked about it a lot last night, I guess. Anyway, um, Justin Rohrwasser, did I spell that right? Was the first kicker to the Pats, uh, number 155 overall. And I apologize for not getting this out there before, but I didn't notice the prop. I didn't realize it was a prop until um, 11.45 when we got done with the Pick 6 podcast preview show. Uh, kicker, field. So there were like seven kickers listed on my site, and then it's like, you know, first kicker taken. And then field was 70 to 1, and Justin Rohrwasser was not listed, and I bet on field, and bang! Love to see it. Um, and that's the one that I was like, who? Like, I thought there was like a typo, because it was a weird last name, too. It was yeah. from Marshall. It's like such a big, uh, such a Bill Belichick has type. Question, has some questionable yeah. tattoos. Yeah, in the fifth round, too. Like, what? It's weird. Ben Barch. Uh, who likes to chug smoothies with grits and peanut butter and cottage cheese and eggs? Ugh. Seven eggs, cottage cheese, peanut butter, and a, and grits. Honestly, all of that smoothie didn't sound too terrible. Besides when he had Gatorade at the end. No, 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 no. I know that you guys have that garbage plate stuff up in Buffalo. We no. do, we do. It's not. No, no, no. This is See, not. maybe that's why because I've had a lot of garbage plates in my life that literally look like all of that mixed together. It was all like 
breakfast style stuff. And then he's like, oh, and then I throw in like peanut butter. Oh, the texture is just cottage cheese. (laughs) I'm going to vomit right now. I don't know if I'll ever eat cottage cheese in my life. Um, We had, uh, let's see, we had, uh, we talked about Antoine Winfield Jr. being drafted and um, Michael Pittman Jr. being drafted. Well, on, on Saturday we had Anthony McFarland Jr. drafted. But he's not related to Booger somehow. I went to the Steelers at 124. The Dolphins took a uh, long seven, although John Runyon Jr., number 192 to the Packers. He is John Runyon's son. And Jordan Glasgow, 213 to the Colts. He has two brothers in the league. The Jets took a punter at 191. The Bills took Tyler Bass kicker at 188. And the Dolphins, who were analytically inclined for much of the draft, uh, decided to take a long snapper, Blake Ferguson, at 185. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah had a, a great moment on TV. He goes, look, i got to be honest. I haven't studied any of this long snapper's tape. He's yeah. Like, I, I've got yeah. A, he's like, I don't have a life, but it's not. But I've got. I've, he's like, I don't have much of a life, but I have some life. He apparently was the best long snapper in this class. I mean, I just kind of trusted everyone's opinion on that, the people that did study his long snaps at LSU. But you think for the Dolphins, they had so many picks, but they're not really a team that is in a position to be drafting long snappers, if you ask me. I would concur. And Mr. Irrelevant was Georgia linebacker Tay Crowder, uh, the guy taken one pick before him, who was uh, t- uh, t- Tuska. Who's Tuska? Derek Tuska from Derek uh, Tuska. North Dakota State. Yep. So R.J. White had called Derek Tuska as Mr. Irrelevant. Wow. Like before round, like before the draft, the round three, round four on Saturday. He's like, I think this is going to be the guy. Uh, bet. He's like, there's good value on a defensive, uh, defensive lineman or, uh, edge guy, uh, as, as Mr. Irrelevant. So I took it too. And, uh, and then he got Holy. scared one pick before. The Giants were definitely taking that guy. Oh, absolutely. He's a hog molly. He definitely would have picked him. Yeah. So, uh, that was a dagger. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do superlatives from, the draft. We will tell you who got what awards, best class, worst class, draft that will make the most, the, the most immediate impact. All of that after the break. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, so we're going to do grades tomorrow with the Super Friends, as mentioned. Uh, but today, Traps and I are going to do uh, uh, superlatives, like your high school yearbooks. So uh, we have – are we – so we have we have multiple ones listed here. But I feel like with superlatives, we need to define – you got to pick one. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, you just got to – you can't be like, here's a superlative and here's three of them. Um, but feel free to mention them. So who who would be your – if you had to pick one team, who would have your best overall class? It's actually a perfect segue from the previous segment uh, because this player was picked by that team, the Denver Broncos. Okay, nice. I, I It was weird at first going Jerry Judy and then K.J. Hamler. Um, but then I saw a tweet from someone that said, I think teams in the AFC West realize – 
They're not going to stop the Chiefs, so they just need to outscore the Chiefs. And I was like, you know what? They have Cortland Sutton. I love Drew Locke. I actually loved Cortland Sutton when he was coming out too. So I was like, why not? Just give them all the wide receivers, all the speed. And then just later what they did going defense, I love Michael Ojemudia from Iowa, the long athletic cornerback. Seems like all those Iowa cornerbacks are just really instinctive, good playmakers. Um, they took Albert Akui Boonham too, so they have two really speed tight ends now with him and Noah Fant, their first-round pick last year. And then they got Derek Tuska, the second-to-last pick in the draft. Tested very, very well at the combine. No one really saw that coming. Um, very good pass-rushing moves. Um, obviously was very productive at the small school level. Um, I just like what they did with that thought of like, hey, we're not going to try to like draft a bunch of defensive guys and, and just try to win games 21-17. We need to score like 38 points when we play the Chiefs. So they going those wide receivers and then sprinkling in some defense uh, later in the draft, adding the tight end. I, I really like what they did from like first pick to last pick in the draft. Yeah, and I think too, like Jerry Judy at 15, and we talked about it in, in the recap, but like that's, look, the best, the best player on the board felt to you. Like, yeah. just, just don't yep. mess around and take him. And we knew they wanted, we're interested in rugs and all that. Um, I just think you, you gotta go take, I mean, like, you would rather have rugs than Sutton maybe, but like Sutton and Judy is a great combination too. They have a ton of offensive pieces and they have set it up. They added Lloyd Cushenberry as well in the, in the third round. So that's a guy who could improve the offensive line. In theory, they've set it up where Drew Locke can go and have a breakout season in his second year. Now, it doesn't, it won't definitely happen. You know, these are quarterbacks. It's difficult to tell. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, um, look, it's, it's, it's not hard to argue with the idea that the, that the Broncos had a fantastic draft. I will throw, I will, uh, throw out, I think this, everybody's sort of on this one. So it's kind of chalky, but I, I don't care. And it's the same sort of thing in the first round as the, the Broncos with, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, why is this wide receiver here? The Cowboys took C.D. Lamb uh, at 17. They come back in the second round. They're like, all right, Trayvon Diggs was kind of considered a first rounder. He's fallen to us at 51. We'll take him. Then they're like, oh, really? Neville Gallimore at, at 82? Okay. Uh, Reggie Robinson at 123. I mean, that, he's, a, he's a potential stud. Uh, is it Tyler? Uh, I always I feel like it always looks like an L, like it's black, <laughs> but it's Biotis. Biotis, yeah. Biotis, yeah. Tyler Biotis, the offensive lineman out of Wisconsin. Uh, really nice pick there in the fourth round, 146 overall. He could actually end up being, I mean, like he could slide into Connor McGovern or Joe Looney, one of those guys going to start at center, but like Biotis could end up, um, you know, and they traded with the Eagles, by the way, to get to him. So this that was is, weird. Yeah. With the, the Jets and the Pats traded, the Eagles and the Cowboys traded. It was very bizarre. Uh, there was another one too. I can't remember who it was, but, um, Bradley Anai, the edge, the edge rusher from Utah. I mean, this is a really good draft for the Dallas Cowboys. And I think I, I've had concerns about how good Dallas could be based on Dak Prescott learning a new system that's, a, as Brett Hundley told us in this podcast, extremely complex and difficult to pick up. But I mean, it is hard not to be excited about what the Cowboys might have on offense. And then to add, you know, uh, the depth, the, the talent and the depth that they got with Diggs and Robinson at cornerback and to get another offensive lineman. It's like they didn't have to, they didn't have to mortgage anything and they got their needs and they got freaking CD Lamb in the first. Yeah. Everything kind of fell perfectly for them. Like they had a lot of defensive players leaving free agency. They lost Robert Quinn. Um, they lost Malik Collins up front. And I remember writing, uh, in some article during the pre-draft process, like the Cowboys were getting gashed like in free agency on defense and they were able to just, Oh, Neville Gallimore's there. Jervon Diggs is there. Bradley and I, to me, not a great athlete, um, but watch him against Dolphins first round pick Austin Jackson in that Utah USC game. Bradley and I completely destroyed him in that game. Second best pass rush move arsenal behind Chase Young in this draft class to get him as late as they did. After getting those other really good defensive players, then you throw CD Lamb at the top. I think that was a really, really good draft that just came to the Cowboys in every round. Um, and I, I, I like the Broncos call too. I really wrote down like seven classes. I think that the fact, traps that this draft was so deep makes yeah. it very easy to come away with like multiple teams having good draft. I mean, that's just how it works. Like there were, there were guys being picked on Saturday or Friday, excuse me, who was like, 
I mean, these guys could have been first round. Like 20 guys could have been first rounders. Uh, my finalists were the Panthers who went all deep. They literally took every single pick was defense. Uh, and, and, and the, uh, Baltimore Ravens who did a very nice job with their draft. You had the Bills and the Bengals as your other, as your two finalists. I'm sure we'll touch on uh, these teams in a minute. Worst overall class though. That can't all be good. Uh, who would you go with? I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. Um, for as much as being like a draft guy, I'm always kind of thinking about the long term and getting these young players in and, and how teams are building for the future. The Packers were in the NFC title game last year. They have Aaron Rodgers near the end of his career. It's a great wide receiver class. They did not pick a wide receiver. There was, I believe, 27 or 28 selected. A lot of teams doubled up on them. I think a few teams picked maybe even three uh, wide receivers. They didn't pick any. Jordan Love pick, I didn't hate because I think I was thinking long-term for that um, and that that's a really good situation for him. He might not play until his third season, and it's stylistically similar to Aaron Rodgers. But A.J. Dillon is a backup in year one. I like him, but that was a little early at 62. Josiah Degara is a backup, too, as a rookie, and he's more of an H-back guy. I think he's kind of raw as a tight end. The uh, linebacker, Kamal Martin, looks like he's going to be this rangy safety linebacker, 6'3", 240, very unathletic, uh, not good in coverage whatsoever. Um, I thought Jake Hansen that they picked in the sixth round uh, is an kind of immobile center. Um, and then a few guys kind of off the radar, Vernon Scott from TCU, um, Simon Stepniak from uh, Indiana. I kind of heard of him, but it was just a weird – like they three offensive linemen in a row and they have a good offensive line. It was like they were saying, we're building for the future, but they were just in the NFC title game and their Super Bowl window is closing. I don't know if they picked a rookie starter in this entire draft. Yeah. And, you know, I was sort of thinking about this um, during the, the second and third day, but like, you know, they had an okay draft last year. You know, like Darnell Savage and Eldon Jenkins, two yep. you know, first and second round picks. Uh, and they played right away. Yeah. And, but Rashawn Gary, they took, which is a little surprising at 12 and Savage at 21 and Elton Jenkins at 44. Jay Sternberger didn't, didn't do anything really. Like I almost, I just wonder the Packers had such a, with 13 and three and they did it largely on free agency spending from Brian Gutekunst. And I just, I just wonder like, let's like, you know, in, in hindsight, I don't think we really examined the 2019 draft because it didn't matter because the Packers were winning games. Like we weren't mm-hmm. people, you know what I mean? Like people weren't like digging into it. Like, Oh, there's, there's mistakes being made. And I just wonder if like, what if we're looking at two bad drafts? You know, yeah. and like that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's entirely possible. And if that's the case, um, I, I, I get, I get, it's tough for me with the Jordan Love thing because I think that there is a case to be made that. If you believe, if you have a first round grade on this, on this quarterback prospect and you believe he can be a future starter and you have a 36 year old Aaron Rodgers, like it's okay to take him. But it just felt like they did not address what it, it, they had such an opportunity with the wide receivers. I mean, 13 guys were taken in the first 59 picks. Uh, and then at 62, they took AJ Dillon and I get it. Jamal Williams has one year left on his deal, but I mean, Dillon t- doesn't catch passes at all. He's a bruiser. I mean, if this is what you, if you're going, if you're going all out of the run game, okay, cool. But man, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think, I think this will, maybe we'll look stupid because we do a lot with these draft things, but I think this is going to be the one draft class that just gets like, like consensusly just like destroyed by consensus. Yeah. One last thing. It's, it's, it's not that I like think that all these players they picked are bad or taken too early. Like I said, I like AJ Dillon. I like some of their picks. I, I, understand the logic behind the Jordan Love selection, but I still think with Aaron Rodgers being 36, if you're their GM and and if I was their GM and I'm thinking draft and thinking 2023, 2024, you don't do that yet. Aaron Rodgers is not 43. He hasn't taken a huge downward spiral, a, a big nosedive in his production. You were just in the NFC title game. You have Aaron Rodgers. You should be like, okay, we're kind of trying to win now. Let's maybe draft a wide receiver. I mean, I like Alan Lazard. Obviously, Devontae Adams is good. Um, but in, in this deep of a wide receiver class, to ignore that position, not fill some other needs, it was just kind of a strange draft for a team that should be win now, but the draft wasn't. Yeah, and you know, we had seen all these wide receivers come off the board. Like Brandon Ayuk went one pick in front. The, the 49ers traded up and got Ayuk. And you wonder, like, would the Packers have gone Brandon Ayuk instead of Jordan Love there? Do they just not have – uh, you know, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, 
um, you know, uh, uh, who else? LaVisca Chenault, um, KJ Hamler. Those are the next couple and, and Chase Claypool. Those are the next wide receivers off. Like if you didn't have, if you didn't have them that high, I, it's okay. I understand it. And like if you would have done Ayuk, but like they should have gotten in the business of moving up at some point with Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson falling. I mean, with CD, like if you've got Aaron Rodgers on the final years of his deal, even if you want to be a running team, like, and you see CD Lamb and Jerry Judy and, you know, Justin Jefferson falling the way that they did, go get them. Exactly. Go, go get somebody. Like, at throw Jeff, I, I don't know. So I think, I think our expectations of what they would do given the setup for this draft clearly creates a, a situation where it was disappointing. I, 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 um, I don't know why I'm picking on the Bears so much, but, uh, the Cole Komet thing, they didn't have a first round pick. The Cole Komet pick, first of all, it screwed my Cole Komet under. Which was infuriating because it was 43 and a half and the Bears oh. had 10 tight, nine tight ends. They drafted 10th tight end at 43. Are you kidding me, Brian Pace? The Jalen Johnson pick at 50 was good, but he does have some medical issues, uh, that are, are sort of out there. Um, yeah, I, I think Darnell Mooney is an interesting player as well, but I think by and large, like I just don't love what the Bears did. I usually don't like what the Bears do. Under Ryan Pace, they've been operating behind the, you know, behind the eight ball in these drafts because they don't have, you know, they haven't had first round picks because of the Khalil Mack trade. Um, but I just, I, I just, I just felt like, really a tight end? Really? Like really a tight end? It just didn't seem like the spot to do it. Yeah. I did a bunch of, uh, Chicago radio spots before and like, I would always like ask the host, like, what do you guys think the Bears should do? And they're like, wide receiver, uh, interior offensive line. The line was not very good. You bring in Nick Foles. He's not really mobile. Trubisky's confidence is shot whenever he's under pressure. And then they go Cole Komet, which that was like one of the biggest head scratching picks, um, of the entire second day of the draft. And then later, uh, I mean, I talked about in the intro, like when there's some players off the draft radar that I'm kind of like, who are these guys? The two offensive linemen they picked late are just completely never heard a word about any of them. So I like Jalen Johnson. Komet was weird. Travis Gibson was, was a little strange too. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's, it's weird that a team is so infatuated with the tight end position as much as the Bears are today. I would agree with you completely. The, <laughs> Bears, the Bears just don't really make any sense. Um, let's go to draft class that will make the most immediate impact, aka the draft class that will impact 2020. Yeah, I think it's the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I mean, you start with Isaiah Simmons, uh, uh and- you start with DeAndre Hopkins because he was he got a second-round pick. He's a second-round pick. So let's go like this. Isaiah Simmons, first round. DeAndre Hopkins, second round. Josh Jones, third round. I think everyone tweeted that, like, when it happened, once they picked Josh Jones, yeah. including myself. Like, that is a haul. And, like, all those players, instant impact, of course. I like that they were able to sit and wait. We talked about it with the Cowboys. They sat back and everyone's like, are they going to address offensive line? Is Cliff Kingsbury just going to ignore it and try to throw the ball quickly um, when Kyler Murray was under pressure so much as a rookie? And Josh Jones just falls to them at 72. He's rock solid across the board. Um, and then, so it's really for those picks. There's a couple defensive pluggers in the middle. Lecky Foto, Rashard Lawrence, Evan Weaver is kind of an overachieving linebacker. Eno Benjamin at 222. I had no, like, I wrote, there's no reason for Benjamin to still be on the board this late in my grades. Like, pass catcher, he caught 77 passes the past two years. For the contract and the cost, I'd rather have Eno Benjamin than David Johnson. Absolutely. I was thinking, I was like, oh, yeah, they traded David Johnson, too. Uh, And to get a pass catching back that's elusive, that runs bigger than his size, was a workhorse at Arizona State at 222 overall in that air raid spread offense. I think he's, we're going to look back and say, why was he still here? But he did land in the perfect spot. So just those four players right there, if you're counting DeAndre Hopkins too, obviously, I think right away though that's instant impact in Arizona. I, I agree with you completely. And uh, Josh Jones may – and, like, the thing about Josh Jones is he can play if they need him to, but he will probably sit – like, Mark, they have Marcus Gilbert and DJ Humphreys. Now you have depth at, with a young guy who you you hope – can, can learn and get better and, and practice and, and get prepped and you rotate him in on reps. And then if you have to, you, you know, you toss him in there if somebody gets hurt, but that's good insurance. Like that's the perfect spot for Josh Jones. Yep. I, think, I think teams that like, you know, the Dolphins took Austin Jackson in the first round. You're a little worried that, you know, you go, I mean, like you're talking about developmental guys either way. Uh, yep. I will say that the, mm, this is tough for me. I think it's a, it's a coin flip, frankly, between the Bengals and the Dolphins. And it's mostly because you're talking about a top six, a top five quarterback who is starting right away. I will say that it is the Bengals 
because to me, Joe Burrow is the favorite, according to our friends at William Hill and odds they just released to win offensive rookie of the year. You have Joe Burrow, T Higgins. I mean, frankly, that right there is probably going to be instant impact. Like there's a really good chance that they're going to go like, I assume they're going to open up this freaking offense. And now you have T Higgins, AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow with tons of weapons to distribute to. And that's the thing about Joe Burrow is people are like, Oh, he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. It's, it's fine. But like he is a friggin' incredible point guard and, and distributor and a, and a precision guy. You're getting Jonah Williams back as well. Um, you know, I don't know, frankly, a whole lot about their back end guys. So I'd be curious what you think about that. Uh, and I know you had Higgins as your number one wide receiver. So you were pretty excited about that. I actually had Higgins as my number three. He, he started the pre-draft process as my number one after the combine dropped him down. But yeah, I, I gave that an A plus. That was the first pick that I graded, uh, first of 225 or whatever it was. Um, I like the fact that he's like gonna play with AJ Green and kind of learn the nuances. They're kind of similar wide receivers, big, tall rebounders. And how many plays did we see from Joe Burrow last season where he dropped it in the bucket down the field? It's not just precision like Tom Brady, five, seven yard passes. To have T. Higgins, to have AJ Green down the field, literally on the perimeter is gonna open up Joe Mixon, angle routes, Tyler Boyd's going to have another good season. Uh, they have Auden Tate, too. They have, like, big wide receivers that are yeah, just going to okay. dominate at the catch point. And then the guys in the middle, a lot of Bengals uh, Twitter that, that I had kind of interacted with during the pre-draft process was like, the linebacker group is so bad. Like, it was so, so bad. Logan Wilson, arguably the best just pure coverage linebacker, ton of ball production. Um, so I like him in the third round. Akeem Davis-Gaither is, like – dynamic athleticism beats blockers can sift through the trash i i really like him as a run defender and he can give you some edge presence too um and then marcus bailey the other linebacker they really wanted to reconstruct that linebacker room uh he's an older guy got injured a couple times in college you go back to that purdue ohio state game two years ago when purdue upset ohio state with dwayne haskins Marcus Bailey had like an interception, a fumble or a, a forced fumble, returned to pick six all over the field. If he didn't get injured again as a senior, he would have gone in the third or the fourth round. So they added some defense, but it's all about Joe Burrow and T. Higgins, those first two selections. Yeah. And look, I mean, I just think it's, if that, if that offense, Pete Briscoe said they're going to win a Super Bowl in 10 years. That was his bold prediction on uh, CBS Sports HQ. I, I don't think, I don't think it's that crazy because Joe Burrow is a stud. Cincinnati's history would tell you otherwise, but who, I mean, who knows? Um, I, I just think Burrow is going to have a big impact and he is going to change, potentially change the culture there. Uh, one guy who might not have a big impact in 2020 would be Justin Herbert, sixth overall to the Chargers. This is my team that would be the draft class that will take the most time to judge. Uh, I also considered the Packers, but I really actually steered away from the Packers as we already talked about them as the worst draft class. Uh, yeah, they'll peek behind the curtain there. But I, I do really do think, like, if you look at the Chargers as a whole, it's almost impossible. Like, okay, so Justin Herbert is probably not going to play in 2020. I, I, like, if he beats out T, if he beats out Tyrod Taylor, that's that's great. But I think Anthony Lynn is being given a year to go with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, and God forbid if you go 12 and four with Tyrod Taylor. What, I mean, what do you get? Like, are you gonna you gonna just toss Justin Herbert in there? Uh, Kenneth Murray should be an impact guy. That that was a nice pick, but they paid a bunch to go up and get in the 71st overall pick. Uh, to move back into the first round with the Patriots. Joshua Kelly, who you know traps in your in your grade, fun, similar style to Austin Eckler. Well, that's a problem because they have Austin Eckler. Joe Reed, a wide receiver, that's cool. K.J. Hill, a wide receiver in the seventh round, that's great. You have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Are, are they – Are they? is this team setting the table for completely rebooting their, their roster? Because I, I, I mean, like, I don't know if that's that or they're just – getting depth they think they can compete I, I don't i don't know what they're doing but i don't think this is a draft class outside of kenneth murray who can be very good but you know i also think andy reed will destroy him by tricking him into running into the backs of, of, of defensive linemen um I, I just don't know that this is an impact rookie class yeah and it's interesting though i mean we talked about with the packers that like they are on paper clear like win now team get to a super bowl with aaron Rodgers at the end of his career we're talking about like when the impact will happen from this draft class. And, and I agree with you, but I understood more what the Chargers were doing because of Tyrod Taylor. They were like a fringe playoff team. You draft Justin Herbert. You don't maybe have to play him right away. So then the rest of their, the theme for their draft was let's get like 
Austin Eckler 2.0. He's getting a little older. Yes, they just, they just you know, signed a new contract. Like, they just signed him, but he's a running back. You're not going to keep him for five more years. Um, but you're right, though. I mean, with, with this. Is, is, uh, Mike, is Mike Williams done? I mean, is Keenan Allen going to leave? Are you like, are you resigning his, are you, you resigning Keenan Allen? Are you going to like use the fifth year option on Mike Williams? Like what I would have my antenna up as a Chargers fan. I know there's like 10 of them out there. I just think you look at it. It's like, I and like a safety. Is that is like Alohi Gilman? Like is he is he playing for them? I don't I don't think so. I mean, you know, like uh, do they draft a cornerback? No, I, I just don't think any of these guys are playing, and that's fine. You don't want to have a team full of rookies out there. Like the Bengals are going to have a bunch of young guys on the field. You don't necessarily want that, but I would just be like, I just think if, for the purpose of this superlative, yeah, for sure. You know, we don't think that they'll uh, show up and show out in 2020. Uh, what about you, team that will take the most time to judge? I'm going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders. I know they got Henry Ruggs. They're going to plug him in right away, of course. But yep. then, we they got their car, too. We might not find out about Ruggs for a while. That's, that's true. They didn't go quarterback, and I don't think they're going to sign anyone else. They have Marcus Mariota as the backup. Um, and then after that, like third round, Lynn Bowden Jr., like the running back wide receiver. They love Hunter Renfro. They have Tyrell Williams. Like, how much is he going to play? I love the player, Brian Edwards, that they picked later with the next pick in the third round, number 81 overall. But is he going to see the field that much with all those wide receivers in front of him, with Henry Ruggs, with Tyrell Williams, Lynn Bowden, Hunter Renfro? I, I just don't really see it. Tanner Muse, um, their other third-round pick, the 100th pick in the draft, was way too early. He's fast, but he can't cover whatsoever. John Simpson, good uh, in terms of depth at the guard spot, but their line's actually pretty good. They still have Richie Incognito. They still have... Um, their center and his name is eluding you right now. Um, Amick Robertson, the corner. I, I think it was a decent draft, but I don't think we're going to see a lot of these guys making huge impacts Rod- as Rodney, rookies. Rodney Hudson. Rodney Hudson. I don't know why I couldn't think of that, but yeah, so I, grading good class. Draft, you've been grading draft picks for seven hours. You yeah. Get, my brain's a little allowed, fried. You're allowed to forget the, the Raiders center name. So, so good draft class, but I just don't know. Like, there's just not a lot of room for all these wide receivers to get on the field. And if it is Derek Carr, the quarterback, we know he's just going to check it down to yes. Josh Jacobs anyway. So, yeah, I so, yeah, I agree. I think like, uh, d- that's why it's, we, it's going to take a while. Like Derek Carr mm-hmm. might be a winner in this draft and you might like the Raiders class and that's fine, but it still could be a while before we find out exactly what happened. Okay. Uh, the most underrated draft class. Who would you go with for most underrated draft class? Well, in our rundown here, we have, we each picked one team and I'll let you go with, with that team and I'll go with another pick. No, no, no. It, no, no, no. I have six teams listed for most six. underrated. So you take right. whatever you want. All right. Thank you, Will. I will go with the Indianapolis Colts. I love their first three selections. Michael Pittman, number 34 overall. There was a lot of talk that they were going to trade up into the first, and and they had those two second-rounders from the Sam Darnold trade. I love Michael Pittman um, in that he's big. He gives some size to that receiver group that really needed size. Nice nice compliment to T. Higgins. T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, exactly. Um, He's just polished. He does everything well. Jonathan Taylor at 41. Um, yes, they have Marlon Mack, who I really like, by the way, two years ago when he was coming out, but he's dealt with injuries. Behind that offensive line, Jonathan Taylor is going to be, I mean, talk about, if you want to bring on some fantasy guys, he's going to be a top fantasy well, pick. And, because- and Mack is in the final year of his deal, too. So you draft Taylor early instead of paying Mack a new contract, and you're like, hey, Marlon, look, you're all, like, you don't need to go through the franchise tag nonsense with Marlon Mack. I love Marlon Mack. I think he's a good player, but like, I mean, he's not a top five running back. You know, no. so you, so you move on from Mac and you stick with Hines, who's a nice pass catcher, and you go with Jonathan Taylor, who's gotten better at catching the rock, but is a, a, a freaking uh, bell cow. Yeah, and it wouldn't hurt really to just have Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor as your top two running backs for a season. Like that's what it's going to be if Marlon Mack stays healthy. Julian Backman played corner, played safety, tons of ball production. Like all those Utah uh, D backs are always really good. We. Uh, Jacob Eason, perfect scenario. We talked about that. Um, and I really like their fifth-round pick, Danny Pinter, offensive lineman from Ball State, in that you watch him on film, you're like, okay, he's a good athlete. He looks kind of, you know, short arm. He's going to play guard in the NFL. Then he goes to the combine. I feel like I've been on this podcast before where you pulled up a mock draftable web of their oh, yeah, combine yeah, workouts. Yeah. And Danny Pinter is just like the entire thing. Like he's a crazy athlete. And you're thinking, well, do the Colts really need that? Like they have such a good line. But you have to keep building. You can't just lean on these players forever. Guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to have contract things. So fifth round, 149 overall to draft this high upside 
athletic blocker. Um, I just like those first four or five picks, which is usually where you're going to see the most impact. Um, it's just exactly what the Colts needed. And then you throw in Jacob Eason there. I just like instant impact and long-term for Indianapolis. So I'm giggling, Aaron. Aaron Nagler. The Packers people are, like, hot and bothered right now. Aaron, oh, yes. He just tweeted, whoever it is in the Packers media who doesn't know how to mute a phone, I swear on all that I hold dear, I'm going to hunt you down and murder you. <laughs> you know, be careful. You're going to get banned from Twitter, Aaron. But, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, the Colts, the Colts are definitely one of my teams that are on the underrated list. I'll actually mention this team because I had them on the underrated list and then they just kept like banging out great day three picks and I eventually just moved them to a finalist for the best, best draft class list, the Baltimore Ravens. And I, mean, I don't know if, I don't know if, Underrated even qual like do the, do the Ravens qualify as underrated or is it just they're so good that I'm sneaking them in there? Is that cheating? I don't think I don't think they qualify as underrated, but if you want to have some justification, no, 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 I don't want to cheat. I don't want to cheat. No, well, okay. <laughs> so, suffice to say, we like the Ravens draft class a lot. They're like just on the fringe of being one of the best classes, and we will talk about the Ravens in tomorrow's podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to cheat. I don't want to be like like. Oh, the Broncos had an underrated draft. It's like, no, the Broncos just had a, a great draft. What are you talking about? But actually, uh, with what you were saying, I think initially it could maybe have been a little bit underrated, and you mentioned they were banging out some good picks today. James Prochet in the sixth round, the wide receiver. Such His film was a blast to watch. And then Geno Stone from Iowa in the seventh round. I think his combine kind of sapped him a little bit or kind of sunk him. Um, but – Another Iowa D-back, super instinctive, makes plays on the football. Uh, he, I did not think he was going to be there at 219 overall. So, like, there was, they were in the underrated range for a little bit, but then you throw in those two late rounders and you're like, the Ravens, as usual, had another pretty yeah. good draft. Yeah, I just didn't want to, I, so this is perfect. We mentioned the Ravens. We'll get to them in more depth. They had a really good draft. They were very close to being my best class. Um, and would be my underrated pick, but they're too good. Uh, how about the Vikings? The Vikings qualify as underrated? Yeah. I mean, they made about 20 picks, so. Yeah, 13 picks at the second day of the draft. Uh, I don't know that I even love, like, like Nate Stanley, whatever. Uh, a Kyle Hinton, I don't know anything about, I don't, I don't, I don't know the day three guys. Like, I, I just don't. Um, but I think that what they did in the first two days, particularly in the first, you know, they had the Stefan Diggs pick. And like, I, I, I think Stephon Diggs is an awesome player. I think he'll be an impact guy for Buffalo. I will take Justin Jefferson at his price over Stephon Diggs if I'm the Minnesota Vikings because they have cap issues. Um, you know, they had a, a bunch of guys they've had to extend recently. And so you get out from under Diggs and then you have Jefferson fall in your lap at 22, which you really didn't think was going to happen. Uh, they trade down. They get Jeff Gladney at 31. And then they picked up Ezra Cleveland, who was like mentioned for a, all leading up to the draft is a possible first rounder at 58 overall. So I thought adding a cornerback and I trust Mike Zimmer, you know, forever on cornerback evaluation and finding those guys, adding Justin Jefferson, who is a baller out of the slot. I think he's a good fit in that, in that offense and what they want to do. And then getting another offensive lineman. I, I think that, you know, just the volume of the day three picks alone, like you should end up with like four starters here. This could be, a, a, this could actually be the, the team that has an immediate impact too. Yeah, and I think you're right that, that with having 13 day three picks, like some of the guys, they might have just been like, all right, Blake Brandell from Oregon State, offensive lineman. Like he wasn't really on the draft radar. But I agree with you about the first four in that it's very rare that people like us list draft needs for a team and then like the first four picks are like all those draft or are and all good, those and they're good players. And they're good players. Like normally, like, Oh, this safety foul to them, so they just picked the safety. But like everyone would have said wide receiver, corner, offense, like athletic offensive tackle in that zone blocking scheme and maybe two corners. And what do they do? Wide receiver, corner, offensive lineman, corner. Uh, so I think it was, and it wasn't like any of those players were reaches. And you're right that Ezra Cleveland had buzz that the Browns were going to trade up for him in the first round and they get him at 58 overall. Cam Dantzler did a great job against Jamar Chase. Everyone talked about that. Uh, 6-2, I, I really liked that they addressed their most immediate needs with their most immediate picks and did not reach on any of those prospects. Uh, the, just and Since the Vikings might qualify as a good draft as well in the head of volume, I'll throw out one more team, and I think um, I want to get them in because, frankly, uh, you need to be ahead of the curve on 
what the Titans are doing. John Robinson has smashed the draft since he took over for Tennessee. He's done an incredible job. And I think he did a really good job uh, in this particular instance as well. You had Isaiah Wilson, who played on the right side for for a run-heavy, a really run-heavy Georgia team all last year. He, he should be able to step in and play for a really run-heavy Tennessee team right away on the right side where they lost Jack Conklin. So that's a big win there, even at 29. Maybe it's a little bit of a reach compared to where people thought, but I think it's a perfect fit. And it, he was floated as a possible first-rounder. To get Christian Fulton in the second round is a very, very nice pick. He, at 61 overall, that's a great pick. Um, they all didn't have – they only had uh, Darrington Evans out of App State. I think he's an underrated guy, uh, you know, running back who can maybe spell um, – you know, he, he's not, not exactly explosive, but I mean, he, you know, he's a guy who can, you know, pick up chunks, you know, if he needs to. Um, and, uh, like, you just need some spelling. You need somebody behind Derrick Henry. You can't run every time. Uh, Laurel Merchantson is, uh, is a, a dude in the middle from NC State. And Cole McDonald, I watched a lot of Hawaii games at the end of this year for some reason. At like midnight? Yeah. Gambling on him, obviously. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's I mean, he does some stupid stuff. And he, and I think you wrote in here, plethora of bad decisions. That's a great way to put it. Like he can whip the ball and, and then he'll just be like, you, you just make a, a, a throw that you're like, what the hell are you doing? He was like the Jameis Winston of the Mountain West or yeah. like, yeah. like, that's like, that's a good fit underneath, uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill, who they signed to a contract. Yeah. And I like the fact that like I went into this draft for the Titans thinking like, okay, here are their needs corner, offensive tackle, obviously. And that I like was saying and, and, and wrote this a bunch like, they need to use one of their first few picks on a running back. I know it's all like, just pound Derrick Henry, give him the ball 50 times. It's like the guy is like made in a lab, but after how much of a workload he took on and then you extend it all the way out to the playoffs last year, he does need someone that can spell him that's not an undrafted free agent, that's not Deion Lewis near 30 years old. And Darrington Evans, he ran sub 4-5. I think he has good vision, and you're right. He's going to be – he's not going to get a lot of carries, but he could have some – six carries for 60-yard games because he can hit those chunk plays. So uh, for a team that's been so dedicated to Derrick Henry, he is on the franchise tag, and you do need to spell him at times. And I think Darrington Evans, at 93 overall, that's good value for him uh, yeah. in this draft class. Yeah, yeah, Deion Lewis left for the Giants, too. Uh, we thought he might uh, go to Tampa. Might go to Tampa Bay. He ended up going to the Giants. Uh, what, speaking of the Giants, uh, I'm going to throw the Giants as my most overrated. Overrated is hard because you have to have a good – people that like – it has to be a, a, a draft class where people are like, oh, they did a great job, but it's like secretly not that good. Um, I, I'll throw out the Giants just because Andrew Thomas is fine at four, but like Dave Gettleman should have traded down. There were Tua went five and Herbert went six. You had a chance to trade down and get more picks. I get it. You love Andrew Thomas, but Tristan Wirfs and Jedrick Wills would have been there at nine or wherever you traded. You, you fell for the smoke screens, Dave, and you didn't trade down even though you acted like you were doing it. Xavier McKinney, you know, you get a, a guy who's a potential first rounder, uh, there at 36 in, in the second round. Uh, Matt Pert, I, you know, frankly don't know a whole lot about UConn's offensive line. Um, they drafted somebody named Lemieux. Maybe he is, uh, maybe he's related to, uh, Mario Lemieux. I have no I idea. I don't think he is, but it's kind of a weird football name. Um, I, I just think that like, we're going to be like, oh, the Giants killed this draft. And I'm like, eh, they, it, Jared Dubin put something in Slack. He's writing some stories, a little teaser. It's like looking, they're sort of coming up with themes for certain draft classes. And the Giants is business as usual. And it really is like, it's like a Dave, they just, we thought they might change things up and they came away with good players, but it's a Dave Gettleman draft. Yeah, definitely. And I think what you said initially about that they should have traded down, like I think Giants fans would say, hey, well, they got the offensive lineman they wanted, but it's like, it's not just about evaluating prospects and like picking the right players. You have to navigate the draft. I think John Schneider is like the best at moving down, knowing where guys are going to be. That famous Russell Wilson story where he picked Bobby Wagner in the second round because he knew Russell Wilson was going to be there in the third. That's not hard to figure out that Andrew Thomas would have been there. And one other note about Andrew Thomas. I like him. He was my second offensive tackle. If the Giants want to run the football, Dave Gettleman, you know, thinks it's 1999, whatever, with Saquon Barkley. It's not as though Andrew Thomas was this amazing road grading offensive tackle and all the other guys weren't. Jedrick Wills played in a pretty run or not run heavy offense, but they ran the football. Iowa, Alabama. Exactly. Everybody can run the ball. And like, if you're big and strong, you can run block. You don't have to be like some technician to run block here. Yeah. That's why I was never sure what the Giants were going to do because I was like, Wills, 
Werfs and Thomas are all like elite run blockers. The Giants should like all of them. And you're right. They should have traded down and said, Hey, we don't know who's going to be the best, but we'll take any one of these three and the extra picks and didn't ultimately do that. I think Dave Gettleman was desperate to hit uh, a single. Yep. Or like, you know, just not to strike out at the plate because it was only going to crank up the heat on him. He'll, this will take the pressure off of him. Um, he, he, certainly he didn't wear a, a you know, a, a mask to generate sympathy. That wouldn't be Dave Gettleman. He, he was recovering from cancer. I think he had a logical reason. Although I do question why he didn't have it properly strapped to his face. That was a little odd. And he's in his own home. It was, the whole thing was weird, but like, I think Dave Gettleman has, he has said, he has said that he knows that he is on the hot seat and that this draft, I mean, this draft mattered to him a lot. And Dave Gettleman is an inherently conservative human being who is not going to go huevos to the wall. And I, th- I think that that showed up in this draft. Uh, who is your most overrated draft? Mine is the Detroit Lions. I love Jeffrey Okuda. Uh, he was like in my top five overall prospects, easily the best cornerback. Perfect fit for Matt Patricia because he loves to run a lot of man coverage. And Jeffrey Okuda is like on an island cornerback. I did not like DeAndre Swift at 35. And that's more about positional value. Um, I know everyone's like, wow, he's still there at 35. He was going to be a first round pick. He can catch the ball. But then they drafted another running back. They still have Carrion Johnson. Uh, Bo Scarborough got carries last year. Tyler Johnson got carries last year. It's like, why are they, I mean, is Matt Patricia thinking that it's 1999 too and they want to run the football a ton? Um, I, I just did not like that pick. I, th- I think they could have gone D-line. Uh, just gone in a lot of other different directions. I mean, Eno Benjamin, again, was picked at 222 overall, who's a great pass catcher in his own right. Um, Julian Aquara. Also, also, they took Carrion Johnson two years ago. In the second round. In the second round. Like, I mean, how many times can you take an SEC running back in the second round? Like, it's. And it's, to double up on running back, too. Like, I just, I didn't understand that. And then I like Jonah Jackson, the offensive lineman from Wisconsin, or from Ohio State, excuse me. Uh, I, I think he just gets the job done. Uh, not a great athlete, but he's just, he's solid. Then right after him, they picked another offensive lineman, uh, Logan Stenberg, who is only a run blocker, cannot protect, uh, and didn't have to protect for the pass this year at Kentucky. They just ran the ball like every play. So I think people are like, okay, I see DeAndre Swift. That's flashy. I love Jeffrey Akuda. But if you keep scrolling down and, and think about, uh, positional value and other needs that were glossed over and weird doubling up on positions. Um, I, I just didn't really like this draft. I thought it was overrated. Uh, I am going to go. I, I, that's, that's fine with me. I actually had them as like, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm down with that. By the way, uh, I am going to go. I'm going to give out my first ever in our, the, the, it's the inaugural Will Brinson NFL draft hustle award. I should have done this for years. It would have been a great idea. Uh, and, and we're going to give it to the 49ers because they made moves. They were making moves like crazy, sliding every which way, trading out, trading in, moving players. They traded Marquise Goodwin. They traded Matt Breida. They acquired Trent Williams, and they came in with you know two first-round picks. They traded once in the first round. They traded DeForest Buckner in, for, in the first place to get that first-round pick. So uh, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, congratulations. The trophy is in the mail. Uh, who, who, Traps, is the best player who was not drafted? I just looked back at my scouting notebook, and my number 100 overall player, Isang Bassey, a cornerback from Wake Forest, was not picked. I was in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. He had a pretty terrible Senior Bowl week. I think that kind of crashed his draft stock. The guy had 42 pass breakups the last three years at Wake Forest. He's a little on the small side. He has to play in the slot in the NFL. If you look at his combine, though, he ran sub 4-5, had a good three-cone, good Good all-around performance. I think if you get him in a zone scheme and just let him watch the quarterback and strike downhill, 42 pass breakups in the ACC over three seasons, you've got to be doing something right, and then you see the good athleticism. I was surprised someone didn't take a seventh-round flyer um, on him as he continued to sing. So he's saying, Bassey, remember that name. Maybe he'll be a part of my practice squad power rankings this fall, but hopefully he just makes a team uh, and, and is playing in the NFL. He was my number 100 overall player but wasn't drafted. Wake Forest prospect. Uh, Thaddeus Moss, by the way, wouldn't, wouldn't have been the guy, the best player not drafted, but maybe the most famous player not drafted. He is yes. signed with the Redskins as an undrafted free agent. Randy Moss's son, former NC State tight end who transferred to LSU and caught a touchdown in the championship game. All right. Uh, give me your favorite. You get one. We'll close the show out here. Favorite day three pick. I was going to go Derek Tuska, um, but we already kind of talked about him and that crazy, uh, RJ White almost predicted that he was going to be um, Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. Um, how about 
day three. Curtis Weaver. Curtis Weaver. How did I forget that? Thank I, you for reminding me. Because you've been creating yeah. for seven hours. I'm yeah, sorry. sorry. Um, no, he, he actually, I had him, and this is, you can certainly laugh at this because this, it seems kind of crazy now. He was my number 16 overall prospect in this draft class. So I was like, okay, I'm going to mock him beginning of the second round, middle of the second. He goes in the fifth round to the Dolphins. He has the weirdest body for a defensive end. He's 6'2", 265, um, which is, like, incredibly thick. Uh, I think he flattens to the quarterback really well, good pass rushing moves. The Dolphins signed Shaq Laws, and they, sh- they signed Kyle Van Noy in free agency. They drafted a bunch of edge rushers in this draft class. But I think we're going to look back and, and say that that was the best pick on day three of the draft. Curtis Weaver, Boise State, crazy productive. He had 34 sacks and almost 50 tackles for loss in his three seasons at Boise State. Uh, he had an ankle injury late in the season. That maybe was the reason why his draft stock kind of plummeted into the fifth round. But he's just polished, and he flattens to the quarterback, has that bend that you like to see at the edge rusher spot. I don't know how he was there, um, but the Dolphins, I think, got a really good player in the fifth round. All right, love it. Dolphins had a good draft, too. We will talk about them and every other team in the NFL draft or in the NFL and all the grades for every single squad from the weekend that was the 2020 NFL draft tomorrow on tomorrow's show. Uh, but this has been the uh, day three uh, draft wrap-up. Chris Trapasso, you did awesome work on CBSSports.com. Follow him at Chris Trapasso on Twitter. And uh, we will talk to you soon, buddy. All right, well, thanks a lot. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.